What up, what up? Welcome to episode 57 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. And there is a lot of wrestling to cover. We just saw uh, AEW Grand Slam. Two nights of unbelievable matches. Uh, AEW Dynamite was off the hook. Friday Night Rampage was just as good. And in front of thousands and thousands of fans. So we're going to get to that great card. But first, let's get uh, acclimated with the boys real quick. Over in Glendale, somebody who keeps it regal, Steve Gropschmidt. How are you, Grabby? Your time is up. My time is now. You can't see me. My time is now. It's the franchise. Boy, I'm shining now. You can't see me. My time is now. (laughs) Nothing beats an interpretive reading of a wrestler's entrance music as we just I'm, I'm channeling William Shatner there because he did, did a whole a, bunch of them yeah you did amazing for somebody who said I don't got anything before we hit the record button tonight it's like oh I'll just think of something real quick and then boom you like busted that ring. out <laughs> yeah the Priceline negotiator as John Cena yes that was wonderful Steve thank you for that let's go over to Bayview Talk to my guy who keeps it freshly squeezed, Matt Michelson. What's going on, Matt? Word life. This is basic, basic thugonomics. Oh, man. Did you actually draw John Cena the same time I picked him? So so for our listeners, right before the podcast started, we do these intros every week. I did not know whose intro to pick. Um, so there's actually an app out there called the WWE Spin the Wheel, where it picks a random WWE wrestler for you. John Cena was not the wrestler I got, um, but after Steve's awesome intro, I thought maybe pitching John Cena's other entrance theme might make sense. Piggyback off that. Yeah, exactly. Um, And for those of you who were curious, the wrestler that I got on the wheel was Brock Lesnar, which... Yeah. He he himself doesn't quote anything. (laughs) Right? Right. I was thinking maybe Paul Heyman, but then when I heard John Cena, it just came to me. Perfect. John Cena actually got a little heat too now uh, from the Chris Canyon episode, Dark Side of the Ring. They wanted uh, John Cena to be canceled. Some fans for what he said about Chris Canyon, but that's garbage. I think they're just using that as clickbait. That's just a little too extreme. I think him and yeah, I know we're not going to go into that too much in depth, but I think what he and Flair said, I was after hearing all that, I expected it to be much more controversial than it was. Right. Mm-hmm. And John Cena, he's going to have his own show on HBO Max uh, from the Suicide Squad, mm. uh, the Peacemaker. So he's doing some big things right now in Hollywood. So he has transitioned well. Definitely. So hats off to John. And speaking of Johns, I don't think there was enough toilets in the Arthur Ashe Stadium for AEW Dynamite and Rampage that took place this last week. Uh, over 20,000 fans filled the what they normally use for the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament. First time ever for wrestling. And I got to say, wow, this looked amazing on TV. And there's nothing like a New York crowd. I mean, New York uh, and Chicago are probably 
the two biggest towns for wrestling fans that are like the most hyped, the most like they know everything about you, will hang on your every word, boo you, love you. It's just the place to be. So, I mean, this show was incredibly special. Um, the night started off with what could be the greatest match. And I mean, for sure in the last like five years for a TV show, uh, for on cable television could have been greatest cable television match of all time. It was the much anticipated and highly hyped Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Um, and this was, this was, this, the hype was there. Everybody was talking about it. Um, through just through it was like one of those matches where i was you know walking my dog in the morning and i was thinking about it i was making lunch middle of the day i was thinking about it hours leading up to the match i was thinking about it and then when it it, it dropped it lived up to all that hype the crowd was literally going bananas for these guys the intros were awesome um and the match started off with kenny and brian danielson in the ring and they just were soaking it up and you got that little grin from Danielson and then you could see Kenny Omega mouth I fucking love this shit or whatever he said like that or like I live for this shit and then they just started going at it and it was like a five-star match it it uh it it was billed for 30 minutes and um we kind of knew that was maybe gonna end in a draw I think folks by now already know the result so um yeah let's just uh give your takeaways boys who wants to start us off here tonight I mean, I can get it started. Um, so going into this match, I was kind of like you, Mike. I had hyped it up to myself a little bit in my mind, but I, I always try and be a little bit cautious when I do that because we've seen matches that are really highly anticipated and overly hyped, you know, not live up to the hype in the past. Thankfully, this match lived up to the hype, and I think it didn't overshoot it by a lot. It was right where I hoped it would be in terms of the hype. Um, but earlier in the day before it was on, yeah, same as you, I was thinking about it, just really excited to see it. And granted, I, for those of our longtime listeners, you know, this is old news, but I got back into wrestling, I think around 2014. So that was a little bit after Daniel Bryan had really hit his peak in WWE, winning both championships at WrestleMania 30, one of the coolest endings to any show ever. So he was a very highly regarded person within WWE. But even before that, as Brian Danielson, he was very well known on the independent scene. His gimmick uh, was he was the greatest wrestler in the world. And, you know, he continued to live that gimmick throughout his time in WWE. He had great matches despite, you know, how good or bad the writing was at a lot of times. So the guy just really transcended WWE and what it was all about. So leading into this match, I obviously was super familiar with him um but had never really seen him with the gloves off you know just l being able to do what he does best and just deliver awesome matches so when the match kicked off between kenny omega brian danielson the crowd was just on fire which i think made it so much better just everybody knew what they were getting into or and was super hyped for it even jr and this is something i texted the other guys about during the show itself JR was so on point with his commentary mm -hmm. this night. And I think that is a big piece of what really contributed to this match. Because if you think back on some of the greatest matches of all time, JR's right. voice is the soundtrack to those matches. Mm -hmm. And this match is no different. Um, there's been a lot of times, I think, in AEW's history, even though it's not that long, but 
There's been a lot of times where JR has made comments during a match or just asked a question about the match itself that really takes you out of it and, you know, forces you to not immerse yourself in it. But that was not the case with this match. He was into it just as much as every fan in the arena, which was a lot. Because um, kind of like Mike alluded to, this match went 30 minutes and the fans never sat down. They never stopped cheering. They never stopped booing. They never stopped making sound. It was just incredible to see. And the match just flew by, didn't feel like it was 30 minutes at all, which I've watched a lot of Kenny Omega matches, and I always feel like they feel a lot longer to me than maybe they do to other people. But this was one match I can honestly say just flew by for me. Just incredible opening match. You said it all. Um, I went through all the same emotions. I was waiting all day, or you know, longer than one day for that match. You knew it was going to be good. And I guess in the back of my mind, yeah, you worry. It's like, oh, what if like somebody flubs something or what if somebody gets hurt? But no, I mean, it was picture perfect. And I think, yeah, all the reasons you said, the match, the buildup, it's like it was probably the, in my mind, the fastest 30 minute match I've seen because like, like it just went because there was, it was nothing bad about it. There was no negatives. And, and um, I mean, I would have been shocked by any other outcome other than a draw. But it's still, it's like sometimes, you know, sometimes the obvious answer is still okay in wrestling if what gets you there is great. And I think, yeah, I think Jim Ross was like vintage Jim Ross. I thought Shivani is sort of the kind of every man approach he takes was really good. Next caliber. It's like, yeah, all of it went together to, they're like, there's, there's no way to overhype that match. It really was probably one of the best matches I've seen. And um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it was like kind of the Daniel Bryan we haven't seen in a long time. And even, I mean, I don't, I don't want, I, do, I have no intention of like bashing WWE in this conversation, but it's like, I don't even know that we saw him, anything like that from him there because it was just kind of an unfiltered, not WWE style, just a, a wrestling match. And it was so good. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. I was just going to say, I was thinking the same thing because I think this is the first time I've ever seen Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson do a reverse Frankensteiner. Um, yeah. Because that's a move you just don't see in WWE. Occasionally you will, maybe on a pay-per-view. But I feel like in AEW, they're pretty frequent. And to see him actually execute that really well was kind of surprising. Right. My favorite move was when Kenny did that. He walked all the way up the ramp when they were kind of on the outside. It's like in the first 10 minutes yes. of the match. Yes. And he did the full length of the ramp and a V trigger on the ropes. Yes. Uh, Brian Danielson. And I'm just like, yes, they are giving the fans everything that they want. I mean, the fan, I, that's the thing that I really do love about AEW is – I don't know. They just they they're okay with giving the fans what they want to see. And I think that's why it's so widely popular and why they're so strong right now. The fans want to see this Kenny Omega match. They want to see Brian Danielson uh not be Daniel Bryan of WWE. They want to see what the American Dragon can do again. And this and then I think Matt, you might have uh sent it in our group text that this is almost like New Japan caliber focus mm -hmm. and um it just like everything was perfectly executed because that style over in Japan, people kind of just sit there in silence and observe the match uh, for, for the quality that they execute all the moves on and tell the story. And that's cool and all, but so you got that style of wrestling, but you had it with 20,000 screaming fans. So it's just like the coolest cocktail of both uh, blends American and, Japanese style of wrestling and uh show for that matter. So yeah, 
great way to start off the night on AEW. Um, so happy that uh, uh, Tony Khan booked that for us, and the night just kept on going. MJF cut an awesome promo in Arthur Ashe Stadium right before he took on Brian Pillman Jr. Um, that was an awesome match, too. It was just under 10 minutes, but MJF, I don't think there's anybody better than this guy on the mic, in, or in a long time. I mean, the, no, the content that's... that he continues to bring up week after week it's still so fresh. It's not like he just goes back to one just fallback thing that will get the crowd involved, like uh, emotion, spark an emotion in the crowd. He does all like the old school classic stuff, but then mixes in current things all the time too. So yeah. I really I enjoyed his promo that he cut mainly on the crowd. Yeah, no, I th I agree. I think uh, they've really handled him brilliantly because obviously he needed a little luster back after um, losing to Jericho. So despite the feel good story of Pillman, you knew he wasn't going to win. Right. And it was the right call. I mean, MJF couldn't lose two times in a row like that, but yeah. It, and you know, I get, I got worried this much a week or two ago. Cause it's like, you know, between social media and dynamite, he, he used that same, like abort, you know, abortion line, like in the same week. And I thought, okay, he's mm -hmm. going to kind of overdo this, but no, it's like, he had that, you know, that whole thing where he was picking on like, um, methany and all that he did all yeah. that and like over the top but he doesn't do that every single week it's like he has like a ebb and flow ebb and flow otherwise it would be too much like if he did that mm -hmm. methany level like really you know talking about yeah. abortion and that every week it wouldn't be special or get you but he exactly. just yeah they, yeah it's, it's what you said i think um they really have a good cadence with him to keep him fresh and interesting and yeah he's for his age and everything he's He's the best of heel in the game. Yeah, to totally agree. Um, not a whole lot I can really add to that. Jumping ahead a little bit to the match itself, I, I mean, even even within the context of a wrestling match, MJF just is so far above so much of the younger, newer talent on the AEW roster. And I think I was listening to Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer talk about this a little bit as well. There's this group within AEW of all this really young talent, all really good. But you don't even think about age when you see MJF. At least I know I don't. Um, I, I think he's so good, he's even beyond the discussion of age because he, he's just a star. And he's been performing with Chris Jericho for probably the better part of a year now. And he's performing at that level with Chris Jericho, especially on the mic, in the ring, what you know, any aspect of the game. Um, so, you know, bringing that back to the match with Brian Pillman Jr., I do think Brian Pillman Jr., you know, they, they did a great job building this story. I think as far as what they could have done with this story, they did everything they could. Um, but despite all that, I think within the match itself, I don't know that Brian Pillman Jr. was quite up to the task, especially when put alongside someone at the caliber of MJF. I think the wrestling sure. itself in the match was good, and I think Brian Pillman Jr. certainly is going to be great. Um, but there was a lot of moments in the match where he did what I like to call the crowd fire up, where he, you look at the crowd and you yell just to try and get a reaction <laughs> out of the crowd. It was almost like he'd do a move and do that, and then do a move mm -hmm. and do that. It was almost to a fault where yeah. you start to think, okay, well, why don't you try a sequence of moves and maybe pinning the guy, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I think there was a little too much of that, especially given the size of the crowd. And I'm sure that played a big part mentally in his behavior yeah. and things like that. Um, but it's funny because you see that. And then you see MJF gain the upper hand and he'd hardly do a thing. And the crowd would be just booing him relentlessly and just had him eating out of the palm of his hand the whole time. Oh, and then really the whole interaction, 
the whole interactions with Julia that like really got the crowd kind of, I just kept like, yeah, you know, like, you know, we're all smart wrestling fans, the four of us, but, um, I like kept yelling, kick him in the balls. Like I got into it. Like I just wanted Julia to like lash out at him. Cause that would be kind of like against type for her. Yeah. And we love Julia on keep the kayfabe here. Yes. She gave me a heart sign at, uh, in Milwaukee. So nobody she can take that it. away from me. She did. 100%. So with this feud between Pillman Jr. and MJF coming to an end, what do you guys think is next for MJF? That's a great question. I want to say CM Punk is in the future. That would be great. But um, I don't think it's going to happen right away. I don't know. Um, I, I think some... there has to be the Wardlow turn coming At some point, too. Yeah. So yeah. they could throw in just something distracting, like just something random in. But I think, I, you know what I, I would really love to see go against is uh, Scorpio Sky and that Evan Page guy and MJF and that Lambert guy go head-to-head on the mics. <laughs> that would be pretty fun, actually. Yeah, I really like Wardlow that Wardlow and MJF could tag against scorpio and the page guy yeah that could work well and i you know i think it'd be interesting because then you have two heels versus another two heels which granted AEW has always done a really good job blending you know dynamics like that but i think that might be the perfect setup actually if they're going to have wardlow turn on mjf because who better to make him turn than another couple of dastardly heels who know exactly (laughs) how to get inside their heads right yeah, that that honestly could work. And it could be kind of like a fun thing like who's the biggest, you know, asshole in the company? The, those two guys or MGF yeah, and that's what they're going yeah. for, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I think I would enjoy that because I'm starting to like that Scorpio and Page click. Now, yeah. every time I hear that Lambert guy talk, that guy is fucking he's a genius. I mean, he's he's close to Don Callis. He's not there. But he is damn good, and he he's great. He just didn't make sense for a while. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? But the more that you listen to him, I'm the more I like him. So I think they could use some better quality airtime with a you know more legitimate opponent too, which would really boost their stock. It's like yeah. the mag- it's the magic of AEW. It's like you know, like I didn't that Lambert guy. I'm like, what the hell is this guy all about? Like, and then like week right? after week, it's like, yeah, like you said, what's the point? And now he's got this like group that's like backing up what he's been saying, and he's got an actual mm-hmm. legit tag team with them. I like it. It's like grown on me. And the same thing with yep. uh, 2.0. It's like at the first, I'm like, these guys kind of suck, but like, <laughs> damned if they didn't. You know, like they kind of fill that role well. They're not. They're mid card at best, but they just get under your skin and they they make whoever they're wrestling look like a million bucks. And it's like they just make these things work. Yeah, right. L- Lambert and the top, what is it, America's top team? I think they call themselves something like that. Yeah, something like yeah. that. I-, I think it was a good move on AEW's part to actually put them in a match um, as part of the Grand Slam event because oh, Lambert's- men of the year they're called. Yes, thank you. Um, Lambert's promos are great. I agree with you guys a hundred percent. I think after so many weeks of promos, though, you have to back it up with a match or some sort of action. And I think it really was great that they actually had a match involving, you know, members of his faction now. So my hope is that that translates into more matches. I, I'm still not 100 percent sure what the what the angle is when it comes to all these MMA fighters as well. Like Paige Van Zandt is part of 
Lambert's group, um, who I don't know if you guys actually follow like bare knuckle boxing or anything like that, but she's actually no. a really famous, um, very successful. I, I don't know. I think she may be the women's champion in uh, bare knuckle fighting right now. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know what their place is for her in AEW yet, but I like the angle. I'm curious to see how it all unfolds. But right. but to circle back just real quickly to MJF, um, one rumor I did hear as far as who might be next for him is Sting. And I feel like that would be a really interesting dynamic. Um, I think if they're going to pull the trigger on that, I think it makes more sense to do it sooner than later, just because we don't know how much time Sting has left in pro wrestling, whereas Wardlow's got all the time in the world. So, you know, if they want to pull the trigger on MJF versus Wardlow, they can do that at any time. The seeds have been planted. But I think if they want to do something with Sting and MJF, the sooner the better, because I'm all for it. Take my money. Yeah, let's uh, jump ahead to that Sting and Darby Allen match since you brought him up, Matt. Um, Sting and Darby took on FTR, and uh, this was maybe one of the best tag matches I've seen out of that crew. I mean, on both sides. I mean, we know what FTR can do. We know what Darby can do, but Sting looked amazing. He did not look like he was 60-plus years old. He looked great. Um, This match was awesome. And I mean, this is a stacked card as it is. And, um, but when you go in there against FTR, they're going to make anybody look like a, a million bucks. But this match was really, really great. Darby Allen is so fucking good. There was just this <laughs> one sequence that he had when he got tagged in and he like d- dive rolled underneath a kick and then hit, hit some guy in the turnbuckle, then leapt back. I mean, the dude is like Spider Man in the ring. He's just unbelievable i i just really appreciate what he's doing for the company and it's rightfully so that he's so beloved by fans um whether he's going up against cm punk or or taking with sting i mean you can't help but love the guy what'd you guys think of this one yeah i agree i i think um i always get you know i always feel like i'm gonna be put in a position as like a huge sting fan where i'm gonna like be a little blinded by and like defend him more than i should but Honestly, like he, I haven't had to have to have that moment because, yeah, for his age, he is there's zero like he does nothing to embarrass himself. He can go. Right. He's like flying around. He's not out of breath. It's like obviously his move sets limited, but that's totally fine because it works. Like there was not a single negative. I mean, that was just a damn fun match. And I remember I was texting with uh, a friend of mine, and we were like, "That is such a fun match." It was like it was great. Yeah. Like it gives you a little bit of the nostalgia. It gives you like the, the the future or the current and all that. It was it was perfect. Yeah, I agree with Steve. Fun is the perfect word to describe that match. Um, and I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is that makes Sting's every time Sting wrestles, I feel this way. And I, and I don't understand exactly what it is to this day. I think it's a combination of things. Um, one thing I have noticed that Sting does really well is, and part of this is on me as a viewer, right? Because when I see Sting, I think back to the late nineties in particular, at least for me, when, Pro wrestling was a little more basic in terms of its moveset in general, um, and the work rate was a little bit slower. So when Sting gets in the ring, that's even to this day, that's what I'm programmed to expect. So when Sting does do something a little bit different or an interesting sequence that 
is more in the style of newer AEW talent or just something really innovative that we just haven't seen before, it gets such a more compounded reaction, I think, for me than a lot of other things would. So I think that's part of what makes these matches with Sting feel almost kind of like magic, right? Where you can't exactly explain, well, I don't know, it's just fun and it's really exciting to watch because every time he does something, he'll do something even cooler five seconds later. And then you have, you know, kind of like you mentioned, Mike, you'll have Darby Allen jumping in and he has probably one of the most unique styles in pro wrestling right now. I think And part of that's attributed to his speed and just the way he transitions between moves. Um, And a lot of it can be attributed to his size and granted, you know, Darby Allen's 175 pounds or so. So he's not a small person by any means, but he's one of those people where you put him in a ring with pro wrestlers who are all pushing 200 plus he comes off as kind of a smaller guy. So, you know, having that work rate he has and just the different moves he pulls off um, really makes him stand out. So between him and sting, fantastic. Always great. Um, Mike, I know you also also mentioned FTR in this match, their NWO gear was so great um and it wasn't really for a particular reason like they didn't rub it in your face like wwe would because sting was part of the nwo right right like yeah um so i really appreciated that but it was a nice touch just something a little extra to make you excited about the match right on yeah yeah nice little easter egg for hardcore wrestling fans and that's the thing it's like wwe will have to hold your hand walk you through why they're doing something if you're a fan of wrestling you'll be able to pick it up I like it when, you know, when you watch something, the, the people putting on the show makes you feel smart. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it's a great way that, to put it. Those those knee pads are reminiscent of NWO because of the graphic, but it says FTR. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just something we all can bond over us wrestling geeks. And speaking of bond... Wow, I think um, old Arn Anderson is going to need some gold bond for his back after uh, that tumble that he had uh, oh after the Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes match. I mean, we've been talking how like the whole night has just been perfection, and it really was. The Malachi Black entrance is just so phenomenal. Did they always have that screaming in his music? Yeah, uh, they before, have. Or did they just add that recently? No, that's always... It, it's actually a song by a, a Dutch heavy metal band. I, I forget the name, but that was always part okay. of the song. Yeah. It was. Okay, so maybe I never noticed the screaming aspect of it. But, um, okay, so yeah, it's getting heavy. Love the intro. He's They got that dialed in. And then Cody comes out, and I, I spoke with the fellas on our group thread. He kind of looked like this villain from this show called The Boys. Uh, there's this actor uh plays a character in the show called homelander where homelander is supposed to be like this the guy that everybody loves like america's hero kind of like captain america but in this show homelander and his his um his uniform it looked exactly like cody's and if you watch that show the boys homelander is kind of like all gravy on the outside but deep down he's one of the most rotten pieces of shit uh out there so I kind of like that aspect that they're roping in that kind of stuff to um, evoke some emotion, maybe do a little storytelling where you can kind of throw some breadcrumbs down and we can follow what's going to happen with Cody because uh, Malachi Black is so hot right now and we're so happy for him that he's finally getting this rebirth of excellence in AEW. Um, So him going up against Cody, it wasn't a surprise that they started booing Cody because Cody had his time 
right now the fans are they want Malachi. This is his time now. So, um, Matt, what did you think of this one? The, I mean, you guys know how I feel about Malachi Black. Like one of my favorite pro wrestlers for sure. Um, he was as Alistair Black in WWE. Um, I think his character now is even better. I, personal opinion of mine, I actually don't like the first name, Malachi. Like, I, I understand its origins and everything, and it does make sense in the context of his character, but just a little thing I thought, nah, I, I'm not a fan of it. But everything outside of that and beyond that, I'm all in on. Um, Mikey mentioned the entrance, phenomenal, every time. Um, and I remember the first time I see I saw that entrance when he first debuted on Dynamite, I felt the exact same way as I do every time he comes out. Just always great. The one thing I really like about Malachi Black's entrances, and not not even necessarily his entrances, but just how he's been presented in these matches over the last several weeks as since he's debuted. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but part of his face is painted to look like it's, I don't know if it's supposed to be like rotten or something's taking him over as a person. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this week... We saw that expand even more, and every week it's just a little bit more. And his right. eye was transparent for a long time, but now it's actually changed to red, and half his face is now almost completely black. So it kind of reminded it, me of the Terminator a little bit, a, <laughs> a little bit, yeah, in a strange way. Yes, um, I'm really curious to see how far he takes it with this idea, and and I love the idea because the more he digs into this deep dark part of his character you know the more it takes him over as a person like just such a nice touch and this is kind of one of the things mike you mentioned about AEW rewarding our intelligence for paying attention to little details like this i love watching AEW because it makes me feel like i'm watching something like game of thrones or breaking bad or something like that like you don't need to tell me every single little detail that's happening i'll pick up on these little things and i can kind of start to see what's coming but then there's always a great twist thrown on top of it as well. So as a whole, Malachi Black's character, I think is fantastic. Now I realized with that answer, I didn't even talk about the match at all, but the match (laughs) itself was fantastic. I love Brandy's involvement in it. By the way, Brandy's back, which is great to see. I I think she's fantastic as a ring valet. Um, Mm -hmm. And she got a little bit involved in this match too, which was kind of interesting, but, um, but the match itself was great. I do want to take a minute just to acknowledge Arn Anderson's effort in trying to round the turnbuckle. Um, it's funny because even before he fell off the side of the ring, I, I felt like I knew it was coming because I could see him get up on the side of the ring. And then for those of you who watch, you may have seen this. He, I think he realized he was in the wrong place for the spot that was coming up. So he tries to scoot around to the turnbuckle <laughs> And there's a moment where he hesitates. And I just remember thinking to myself, I don't think he's going to make it around the tournament. And I'm like, no. no, it's pro wrestling. He'll make it. And then, like, I don't know, maybe five seconds later, you hear the crowd go, oh, and he, like, disappears out of frame. And the camera quickly cuts to the left. So oh, yeah. in that moment, I knew exactly what had happened. And I think even JR, maybe it was Excalibur, somebody went, well, what just happened with R? Yeah, it just was JR because it was like a legit, it was legit like he had no idea, like what just happened? Yeah, it right? was one of the best botches I've seen in a long time, which they did then weave so in the match. They did. It was right. actually, they, yeah, they did not suffer from it. Oh, you could tell how pissed Arn was, though. Oh, I'm sure he just, like, yeah, he's he such a pro. Awful. Right. Yeah. He, his, his belly couldn't make it around that ring post. <laughs> you know, they're, they are square ring posts. That's where the square ring posts probably hurt them because they have to try to get that belly around right angles. If they were normal circular, maybe, uh, 
Arn could have greased himself around there a little bit more smoothly, <laughs> but uh, it was just so funny to see his little legs just kicking it out of frame. And, <laughs> and uh, Cody was like looking back, like, like what, what the. <laughs> What the hell just happened? Okay, get back up on the apron, please, so we can get this, you know, take this home. Like, right after all that happened, there was that moment where Cody did go to the outside of the ring, and Arn's out there, and they kind of are both eyeing each other up as Cody walked past him. And you could just see the look at Cody's <laughs> face like, what the hell, man? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, I kind of liked it for because I always think there should be some kind of imperfection in wrestling. Yes. Like, some... Somebody has to get hurt in a non-purposeful way or something like that. Or, or, or like, just do, like, just fuck up. Like, cause yeah. It's, it's, Otherwise, it's too know, polished. Exactly. Like, yeah. I love that. And then, and then in such a show that we've been talking up how just how perfectly booked it's been. Everybody's doing their job. It looks great. JR's locked in. I mean, when have we last heard that? So a good Arn botch, I'll take that every day of the week. Just made it even better for me personally. Yeah, no negatives out of that. And uh, I think, um, yeah, I loved it. You guys touched on most of the points. But, yeah, it's like AEW does a brilliant job of decent, you know, good mid, mid-length mid stories. But then these, like, slow burn things, like the Hangman story, like um, MJF and Wardlow, where they drop things and then months go by and they don't touch it. And I think Cody has been this brilliant, like, is he a heel or is he not? And I think the yeah. Homelander thing you said, he's a smart dude. And he's a student of like comics and like all that kind of stuff. Yep. He did that. On, he's totally doing that on purpose. That's not like exactly. an accident. And he's self-aware. I'll argue with anybody that thinks he's like kind of like triple H-ing it and kind of putting himself over. I think he's totally self-aware and he's totally orchestrating this heel. Like he wasn't out there upset the crowd was booing him because he's totally set this up. And I think yeah. it's, it's good. What it leads to and when, I don't know, but and it's Sting. I mean, remember when Sting debuted and he got all weird with Cody and kind of was like, you know, we'll, we'll deal with each other later. I'm here for Darby. Like, he, you know, they bring this legend back who was a, a contemporary of Cody's dad. And you could tell he didn't like Cody. And it's like, that's all going to lead to something someday. And it's awesome. So, so one thing I was wondering, so in the, in this match, kind of like you guys said, Cody gets booed for most of it, if not the whole thing. And towards the end of the match, like Cody starts getting a little feisty with some of his mm-hmm. shots in the corner. And then we even see him punch the ref at one point. So I think, you know, yes. all this talk about like, when is Cody going to turn? I think that was the turn personally, mm-hmm. like the crowd clearly booed him he then was smart enough to work as a face for or excuse me as a as a heel for the context of that match and then when he actually hits the referee and shoves them away yeah like, to me that's a heel move like he's oh totally across that line well and then um i don't know if you guys saw but arn was last week on um after the show he was on um busted open and, you know, it, it was a standard interview, but he did make some comment related to why the fans seem to be turning on Cody. And he made some comment to the effect of like, yeah, Cody's a little bit Hollywood now. And like, you know, it's like, you know, it, it was like like a shoot interview, but he, he, you know, he was playing his character there by like putting that seed in that like Cody's changed and like, yeah, there's going to be a problem there. Definitely. Well, and anything, I mean, like you said, Steve, Cody is very self-aware and anything that he does uh, on TV with AEW, it's going to be all for the betterment of the company, not himself, because now he has his own show 
roads to the top or whatever the hell it's called. Um, yep. That's going to be his own thing. So he's going to have enough FaceTime uh, getting his shit in on his own personal TV show with his wife, Brandy. So that'll exactly. be, I'll actually tune into that because it looks like Bischoff uh, is sitting down and having some beers with them chatting. You see Ricky Starks in there. You'll see a lot yeah. of behind the scenes stuff of AEW, which I'm really curious about too. So uh, that'll be good. I'll tune in, at least give it a watch for the first couple weeks. See what happens. Why not? Um, but yeah, after such a, a huge card that was AEW Dynamite, they closed the show with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, with Jamie Hayter and Rebel, and uh, she took on everyone's new favorite women wrestler, Ruby Soho, and uh, this was a red-hot match. It went on for close to 15 minutes. Um Ruby, we knew she wasn't going to win, but man, did they tell a great story leading up to this match, and they executed uh, under the big bright lights of New York City on a huge uh, attended uh, venue. They did the company proud by headlining or main eventing this Dynamite, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. I This match was fantastic. I, I was really not concerned. I that, That's too strong of a word, I think, but a little hesitant going into it, um, especially having a women's match as the main event. I know that historically AEW hasn't done a great job promoting their women's division. At the same time, I think Britt Baker's really broken out as one of the company's top stars. And Ruby Soho is red hot right now, like you said, Mike. So I think putting these two together totally makes sense. It was interesting to me seeing Ruby Soho work outside of WWE just because you know, when you think about some of the other w- women in AEW's women's division, you know, take, for example, like Anna Jay, Ty Conti, um, a lot of the women in the mid card, I would say. There's definitely a distinct, noticeable difference in how good the work is with someone like Ruby Soho versus AEW's women's mid card. Um, you know, and this match was clear proof of that. And it's funny, too, because you think back to WWE and when Ruby Riot or Ruby Soho was working there her matches really just kind of blended into the background and it wasn't that they were bad. It's just that, and now I'm really starting to see it. I personally do think WWE has really done a great job with their women's division when it comes to actually how well they can work. So that really did a good job translating over here to the AEW women's main event for this show. Um, So I really hope if we take nothing else away from this, that Ruby Soho is clearly one of the top stars in the women's division for AEW. And I really hope that, her skills and knowledge get shared with the rest of the women in AEW, and they use that to help elevate some of the other mid-card talent. Mm-hmm. I yeah. um, Real quick before you go, Steve, what you said, uh, how she translates from WWE over to AEW, it just kind of it, it made me think. Ruby Soho and John Moxley, or Ruby Riot and Dean Ambrose, kind of have like that same kind of fringe outlying um kind of character and i don't think wwe knows what to do with uh that type of character so what wwe had from dean ambrose and ruby riot bring them over to aew it's like they found gold with what they what uh wwe initially had uh because those two stars have been translating beautifully over there i don't know if you guys agree but that's just kind of where my mind went when i was listening to you talk uh matt no, the, I, I do agree. And, you know, Steve, I'll let you get to your point here in just a second. But yeah, I, I think part of the part of the, the key to booking a talent like kind of like you mentioned, Dean Ambrose or Ruby Riot to do that successfully, 
it's not you know they're not plumbers they're not construction workers policemen they're not early 90s wwf wrestlers right they're real life characters and i think Mm -hmm. the way people receive that is different for everybody so the best Mm -hmm. way to book that is don't do the wwe thing and shove it in your face and tell you exactly what it is and give it a catchphrase let people make sense of what it is and who it is for themselves right because you might perceive ruby soho as one type of person whereas i might perceive her as something else and some people might like it some people might not but if it's a cool character and if they're a great wrestler more importantly they're going to get over with the majority of the audience awesome yeah i think that yeah and it's like you know they gave like ruby the uh nickname like the runaway which is kind of generic so in a good way but yeah like wwe would like they can't stop themselves from like yeah it's like dean ambrose the lunatic fringe it's like they have to be so descriptive or like mm-hmm. you know ruby the punk you know they'd probably call her like the punk rocker or something like obvious or the artist known as shinsuke nakamura they just have to overdo it it's like just right. let, it, let it breathe yeah and uh mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah i think uh we're seeing with both of that we you know like you said with moxley with ruby with Daniel Bryan, we're getting to see like these naturally awesome people, but like kind of unfettered, like they can kind of do what they want now. And it's just so refreshing. And who genuinely love wrestling too. Yes. They, they can be themselves, the character they always wanted to be and do what they love, which is go out there and wrestle and put on a great show. And you know, this is, this is the home for that in AEW. So I'd like to like Ruby riot. I wonder how many, okay she had a, at some point she went for the title in wwe i don't remember against who charlotte or somebody other than that chances she, are yeah but uh, yeah good point uh but other than that she probably was mostly on the weekly shows and you know how that is she probably had like two three minutes a match and it's like how can you really tell your story so right. uh yeah she got to really she got the main even she was fired how many months ago yep. and now on one of the biggest aew shows ever like yep she main evented it how cool is that yeah i was looking i forget where i heard this so apologies to whichever podcast first reported this but from my understanding this was the biggest meaning highest attendance wrestling show that was not a wwe show since 1999 so mm-hmm. steve yeah just to further your point even more you know ruby riot ruby soho getting to main event this show you know like after being fired from wwe funny enough just a few months ago yeah mm-hmm. pretty amazing quite the turnaround right and rancid uh is getting super popular again like people are like oh i heard ruby soho's song and then i I turned Rancid on and I haven't listened to them and they're getting a big boost. So I read, I read, I think on, it might've been Wikipedia. So, you know, it's not entirely reliable, but that they gave like some member of the band told her she needed to go by Ruby Soho and like basically grand, you know, like rubber stamped it through. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The lead singer, uh, Lars is his name. I don't know his last name, but I guess he's a huge wrestling fan and i guess ruby riot and them became buddies and then when she she got fired i think they were talking and it was like um like lars the guy the main person like you need to have this music because this is what she wanted to have as her music like you need to have it and you should just call yourself ruby soho and you know the rest is history so well thanks for thanks for listening lars we appreciate it most definitely 
So if these crazy bastards in New York couldn't handle enough wrestling in AEW Dynamite, they had a lot of wrestling left to watch uh, for AEW Rampage that they tape right afterwards. I don't think we're gonna we have time to hit every single match on the card, but after seeing all those star-studded matches, do you really want to see a CEM Punk intro after you've been cheering your balls off for uh, three hours? But the crowd, I mean, Tony Khan gave it to him, opened up uh, Rampage with CM Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs with Hook, whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, this this was great. Uh, CM Punk has mentioned that um, Powerhouse Hobbs was one of the wrestlers that he wanted to work with really bad. And they've been That's telling cool. a pretty decent story uh, all the way up until. It was smart to put Punk on the microphone as well uh, for a Dynamite ma- um was it Dynamite or Rampage when CM Punk was? I think it was Dynamite. Yeah. So that was smart on them. If people are just tuning in to see CM Punk and then they turn off the TV when he's done, put him on the microphone and hear him for an hour, hour and a half, however long it was until <laughs> Hobbs tried to put him through a table. So smart on them for that. Uh, this match was pretty great. Good for Powerhouse to uh, go up against a legitimate wrestler because I don't think they, he's had – um, enough opponents that were at Punk's caliber of popularity. Yeah, totally agree. Um, the match itself, we we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. The match was pretty good. Um, and I and I say it that way because Powerhouse Hobbs, I think personally, I think was exposed a little bit as throughout the course of this match. Um, he's definitely mm-hmm. not the most experienced wrestler out there, and there were some moments in this match where that was pretty obvious. I think I that combined with CM Punk this being his first televised uh, TV match in about seven years. I think those two things kind of came together and created a little bit of an uneasy situation. But then as the match kind of got going, um, you could tell they started to work a lot more smoothly. And I don't know if part of that was both the guys just kind of got comfortable working with each other or if it was partially CM Punk telling Hobbs, hey, you know, slow down or, you know, just follow my lead or something like that. But but there were a lot of great moments in this match where Hobbs was able to showcase his power, a lot of great looks at the hard camera, making that goofy face he makes to look really, really hard and just like right, that guy right. you don't want to mess with. So I, I thought it was a good match. Um, I personally think it went a little bit long for what it was. Um, but unfortunately, I think they had a commercial break during it too, which kind of dragged it out. So yeah, but... Yeah. Overall, it was cool to see CM Punk back on TV. I did notice, um, you know, thinking back to All Out, he wore pants. And in this match, he was wearing the classic trunks with the kick pads on his boots and the what I like to call the, the classic CM Punk wrestling uniform. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. It was good to see him back out there in the old Speedo and the, uh, the <laughs> tall boots and the knee pads just like the punk we got to know and actually my wife said i look like cm punk so i'll take it she said he was hot that's a a compliment yeah i don't see it at all (laughs) but but hey thanks honey and then you took uh, off your cm punk halloween mask yeah and i showed her my pepsi tattoo nice (laughs) yeah steve did you have anything to add on this one not too much other than, no, I, I enjoyed it. I think, yeah, it started off a little slow, but I think I'd like to think they're just kind of telling a story here where Punk's got to kind of work his way back. Like, I'm hoping that's kind of, you know, he's a little vulnerable. It's like he's not mopping up people. And he had a hard time with Darby, he had a hard time with Hobbs. I think that <clears throat> and both both guys in their losing efforts came off better than they came in. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was fun. I think, um, you know, I got a little scary there. I think one of them, I think it was, 
punk kind of flub day. It was, I don't remember if it was a moon or a, a Frankenstein or something. There was a move that yeah. was sort of botched that looked like, ooh, but the yeah. rest of it was it, really good. And yeah. It could have gotten really hurt. It was a Frankensteiner off, off the turnbuckle, I think you're talking about, right? Yeah. But it seemed fine. But uh, no, I thought it was good. I think Punk's looking bad. You know, he's getting he's getting the ring rust off. He's looking good. I'm interested to see where they go next. Probably him and Starks, which I think could be a lot of fun. Which makes me wonder what the hell's going on with Brian Cage. They kind of put a plug up, or put a, a pin in that for now. I think so. He's been on elevation a lot lately. Um, one other thing about this match that I did want to call out though is I, this is the first time in a long time we've seen Hook get physical with anybody. So. <laughs> That was kind of cool. I don't know if that's going to lead into a match eventually with Punk, where Punk oh, that'd be fun. the match. Because we haven't even seen Hook wrestle yet. So Dude, that's always a possibility. He's been there for over a year. And, I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if this is just father-son bonding time on the national t- television and in the hottest wrestling promotion, but either shit or get off the pot, Hook, okay? Like, just I want you to be relevant in some capacity further than just wearing a wife beater out there and trying to look tough with your with your um blowout haircut um i'll tell you something you know i follow a lot of social media the ladies like hook <laughs> okay. i'm not kidding i i prob- you're probably right i mean i don't doubt you steve yeah um, so i think that he's doing something right i mean what ladies like the 16 year old ladies like they can't be like old ladies right yeah, you know, little, you know, our demographic and younger. Yeah, there's. I've, I've heard some banter. No, where they what are think they he, saying? I'll have to, I'll have to pull it up for the next time. But they're like people joking around about how uh, how dreamy he is and stuff, and how, uh, and then they of course joke around, but they're like hook equals ratings, and like they're just oh. kind of playing off. They're trying to build like a internet personality out of him too, which I think so, is kind of yeah. So that's that's his relevancy. Is they're trying, they're they're forcing him to the top or it's like got a little bit of that Justin Bieber look, you know, I think, right. uh, yeah, they, they, you know, they gotta, they, they, they haven't nailed it with, uh, they haven't gotten massive women uh, audience. Like, you know, the ratio is not as balanced as WWE. So I think they're trying to find different ways. Huh. Interesting. Cougar town, Cougar town. headlining hook to the ladies. And, it, and he comes right. out in the Chippendale, uh, nice. uniform god that's good shit all right well what was good shit was this super click adam cole and the young bucks uh versus christian cage and the jurassic express and uh now that the super click actually has a name it is teasing like you know how we tease there is gonna maybe be a a triple tag team whatever you want to call it how do you say that three-man tag champion trios yeah trios trios. belt um i think this is what's next for adam cole and the young bucks because i mean the young bucks are are better with belts as much as charlie uh always wants to say like they're better with belts and i don't think they really need it but i think it i I'm, i'm starting to think like this would make a lot of sense put some gold right around adam cole right away um once we get these belts out i think they would be the strongest contenders to get it first um and shout out to charlie i I wish you luck on your uh, um underwear modeling gig tonight buddy sorry you can't be with us tonight guys just cleaning it up lately with all these gigs it's awesome 
One should always well, keep it clean when you're wearing underwear. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, he's the he's the one that pays all the bills around here for this show. So we got to get him out there making money, not just sitting around talking wrestling in our in our basements here. So, um, but yeah, this was a really awesome match. I loved seeing uh, the young bucks running the ropes like excessively, like five times back and forth. Then they stop and then kiss Adam Cole on the cheeks while he has Jungle Boy <laughs> in the camel clutch. And that was to to reenact that picture of them. I mean, like they're just having a ball in there. And then they proceed to drop drop kick Jurassic or Jungle Boy in the face simultaneously. So that's great. They just look like they're having a ball. Um, this was, I mean, this was a fun ass match too. Um, it's just great to see Cole in AEW. It's just, yeah. it's just crazy to think, right? So over. What a pop! My God, that was the mm-hmm. pop of the week. I think. Like, yeah, like- I agree. He is just getting such yeah, and he also pinned uh, Luchasaurus. How uh, they've protected Luchasaurus from day one, and yeah, right? that's a really good point. I've yeah. not noticed that, but now that you pointed it out, I can't unnotice it. So that was probably one of my most memorable moments of the match. Now that you say it, the most memorable of of course being when the Young Bucks kissed Adam Cole on the cheek because yes. it's such a great spot that we have not actually seen before. Hmm. <laughs> I just love like they just did not stop running the ropes for no, like five no, times. I know that's so great. Good. Yeah, so I was obnoxious. actually starting to wonder how many times they were going to run it. Love it. All right, we're getting uh, we're getting pretty late in the show, and it ended with John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus Manoru Suzuki and Lance Archer. Suzuki Gun, the team of Lance Archer and Suzuki now. So that kind of makes a little more sense now because they used to tag back in New Japan, am I right? Right. Yeah, that was my understanding. I That was before I started watching New Japan, I think, when those two would tag with each other. But it's just so cool to me seeing Minoru Suzuki in AEW, especially feuding against John Moxley. It's John Moxley is the Minoru Suzuki of AEW when you step mm-hmm. back and think about it, if you know both promotions really well and were to truly compare them against each other. I remember when we went to All Out um, several weeks ago, when we saw Minoru Suzuki come out, I was really surprised. As was Charlie. Charlie and I are both pretty big fans of New Japan. At least we were for quite a while. But it was interesting seeing Suzuki basically just manhandle John Moxley and during at the end of that sequence just put his foot on top of John Moxley's body, kind of signaling like I win. And looking out, and there was this moment right after that, Steve and I both looked at each other and just went, wow. Like, what a way to make a statement. So, really cool to see these guys fighting again. Um, This match, I... So, I love the idea of Minoru Suzuki and John Moxley more than I actually have liked the execution of it. Um, I think this match, for me, was a lot of just killing time uh, before the uh, debut of Homicide, when he appeared halfway into this match to give John Moxley and Eddie Kingston the assist. But there was just a lot of downtime in this match, a lot of weapon shots and then just walking around kind of trying to build heat from the crowd. But they just weren't getting it. Um, and I, I can't quite put my finger on exactly why, but I don't know. This just didn't really click for me. I'm still trying to figure out what they're doing with Moxley, and I think it's okay for now. But it's like it just seems like kind of 
popular time filling, which maybe is, yeah, maybe that's fine, but it's like, they're kind of doing these dream matches, but there's really, I'm, I'm wondering where they're headed with it. And maybe they're not headed anywhere, but yeah, it's just, it was fun. There wasn't anything inherently wrong with it, but it just, yeah, it was just okay to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, can Moxley go after Miro uh, now with the TNT belt? I mean, because Miro beat Kingston because I like Moxley with a belt in AEW. It just kind of, he just looks a little bit more badass. Like he's, he's got something over his shoulder walking through the crowd with it. You know, something just romantic about it Yeah, uh, to see in a badass dude like that with some gold. So I, I hope maybe they try to get him some kind of title again soon. Um, maybe they can, I mean, they, they were like contenders for the tag team championships, but I don't know. Eddie, him and Eddie King, Eddie Kingston is kind of like a ball and chain for him a little bit for his growth in AEW. He was a he was a champion already, Moxley, but you you, you want to still keep working towards the top again once you fall off. And I don't think Kingston's going to get him there. I think he's got to go it alone. It is good to see Lance Archer find a partner, though, again, and give him more relevancy because before we were like, what's his deal in AEW? Like, they, they, like, it was like right when COVID started, they brought Lance Archer over, they paired him with Jake the Snakes, boom, money in the bank. And um, he dominated uh, Cody Rhodes. I'm like, wow, this guy's going to be a killer. And then he just kind of vanished for a little while. But now this makes a little bit more sense, and everybody loves Suzuki. Um, I hope they have a lot more matches coming up here. And it'll be really interesting to see how they use them. Yeah. And regardless of how this particular feud ends, I, I think there's a lot of other great opponents you can pair up Suzuki against. Because all we've seen up to this point is badass versus badass with John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki. But you could you could have a whole bunch of other combinations that would make it really interesting. Um, fun fact, Eddie Kingston actually posted something on Instagram earlier today. It sounds like they're going to run back the match between Suzuki and Lance Archer versus Moxley and Kingston as a New Japan match. So hmm. I don't know if it's going to be in the U.S. or if they're going to be traveling over to Japan for it. I think it's actually going to be here um, on NJPW Strong, which is like, I, I believe, their North American spinoff show. But hmm. yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that match stacks up compared against the one we saw in AEW this week. All right. Good stuff. Lots of stuff uh, going on in AEW. You got to tune in every week, folks, to uh, keep up with it. And uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up, and we're going to get to that uh, later on uh, since getting deep in the show. So there's only one thing left is promo of the week. And this one comes to us from Louisiana. This guy's name is Ray Lockwood, says, I love the show, love hearing it every week. You guys do a great job. And he submitted one from Jake the Snake Roberts in WrestleMania Six. He's standing here with Mean Gene. He's going to be taking on Ted DiBiase and um, the master of psychological wrestling, Jake the Snake Roberts. Let's take a listen real quick. Jake the Snake Roberts, the match is at hand. Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Here we are at WrestleMania, and it's the biggest match of your career. Why? Because everything you stand for is on the line, namely the Million Dollar Belt. Oh, yeah. It can be yours once again. You see, all you have to do to get it back (laughs) is go through Damien and me. 
But you see, Damien and I don't forget. We remember all the times you made people grovel for your money. These were people far less fortunate than you. People who could use your money for essentials. And what did you do? You made fun of them. You humbled them. And you humiliated them. Well, now it's my turn. I'm going to make you beg, DiBiase. You are going to get down on your hands and knees. This time, you'll be the one that's humbled. This time, you'll be the one that's humiliated. And this time, you will be the one that grovels for the money. And how appropriate <laughs> that the money you grovel for is your very own. A victim of your own greed. Wallowing in the muck of avarice. Longfellow couldn't have said it better. He is a scary, scary man. He kind of already beats you before he goes into the ring, does he not? With his, uh, with his mic skills and psychological menacing warfare that he instills in you? Few did it better. I mean, he really, uh, yeah, he was ahead of his time, I guess is kind of a cliche way to say it. But yeah, just that kind of edgy. Like, even when he was a good guy, he was kind of not a good guy, yet, really. So yeah, he's yeah, a master. Ahead of his time is a good way to put it. Um, I think Jake the Snake was so different for the time that he wrestled in, partly because a lot of the wrestlers at that time would just shout their entire promo, but that was not his style. Um, and I think that's what made him came across as so intimidating and where the psychology comes in. And like you said, Mike, you know, he'd win the match before the match even started with that psychology. So that was pretty cool. Um, I always love hearing Mean Gene, too. One of the best voices in the history of pro wrestling. It's a shame that yep. he's no longer here. Yes, Agreed. he is very missed. But on a higher note, um, we got a big announcement. Uh, the boys and I are going to be doing live podcasting in South Milwaukee coming up on October 9th at Crusher Fest. And we're going to be doing live interviews. We can't reveal the names yet, but just to let you all know, it's going to be big. And we're going to be bringing it back here to keep the kayfabe. And uh, we're going to be interviewing the lady who runs Crusher Fest. We're going to get the story of how it originated. There's going to be a lot of fun stories going on there. And we're going to try to get to them all and bring them all to you. If you guys and gals can make it who are local to Milwaukee or the surrounding area, Crusher Fest is October 9th. Uh, in West Dallas, South, South Milwaukee area, and tickets only start at 10 bucks, so it's just a no-brainer to come out and just hang out. Uh, we're going to be having t-shirts for sale. Uh, is that right, Matt? Yep, that's right, with our favorite catchphrase on the front of them. Oh, yeah, and you guys all know it well, and it goes a little something like this. Stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. Triple H! Got it. Scoop that t-shirt. Come see us at Crusher Fest. We'll keep you posted. See you next time, folks. Peace. Hats off to John. All right. And speaking of John's, I don't think there was enough toilets in uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium uh, for the AEW Dynamite Rampage show or uh, 
excuse me, AEW. Excuse me, let me do that again. That was an amazing segue, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, 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 I honestly was picturing in my mind people like pissing and shitting. So that's what fucked me up. I'm you like, distracted God, yourself. I love I it. Distracted myself. Yeah. All right, let's do it again. All right. <laughs> 